to bring an end to Putin's war of choice. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And for Backchat this morning, we're going to be talking about the 4.1 magnitude earthquake that was felt uh, in Hong Kong in the early hours of yesterday. Um, I should say that uh, I've got several emails from listeners on uh, relating to COVID updates. I'm going to save those until the end of the programme because we've got two guests uh, on the programme with us now to talk about the earth tremor. And they are uh, Lam Ching Chi, Senior Scientific Officer with the Hong Kong Observatory. And also uh, Chang Long Sang, who's Honorary Professor of the Department of Earth Sciences at the University of Hong Kong. And another guest will be joining us uh, a little later. Um, uh, well, for now, good morning to you both. Um, uh, Ms Lam, perhaps uh, if I could ask you first. So the observatory yeah, sure. received about uh, 8,000 uh, reports of the locally felt uh, tremor, uh, which happened uh, yesterday at about uh, about 2.30 in the morning. Um, that, that seems like a lot. I mean, h- how often does that happen to you? Oh, yes. Uh, good morning, all. Yeah, the observatory, um, yes, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, the observatory reported a locally felt tremor associated with an earthquake of uh, magnitude 4.1 off the coast of uh, Huizhou, um, over southeastern China, around uh, 2.30 a.m. yesterday morning. And uh, actually, the epicenter was uh, located at about uh, 92 kilometers east-northeast of Hong Kong. And uh, we have received uh, yeah, the highest uh, number of uh, reports, uh, locally felt reports from the public. And over uh, yesterday morning, uh, we have uh, actually received more than 10,000 locally felt reports of uh, minor shaking. And uh, the duration of which uh, was a few seconds. Uh, preliminary analysis uh, gave a local intensity of uh, scale 4 on the modified Macaulay intensity scale, and that is uh, hanging objects swing, uh, windows, dishes, doors rattle. How, how does that work, actually, the, the modified uh, Macaulay scale? Um, because uh, you, you said it was uh, the new read, it gives, you, it gives you a new reading, essentially, which is not quite the same as the initial magnitude reading. Yeah, actually, the uh, the magnitude um, um, of the earthquake uh, is um, indicates uh, the amount of energy released uh, at the epicenter or the source, and it's uh, measured um, yeah by a, a different scale. It's a magnitude scale, uh, but the intensity of an earthquake or uh, at a particular locality indicates uh, the violence of earth motion produced there by the earthquake. So it's um, determined for basically from the reported effects of the tremor uh, on human beings. Of furniture, buildings, geological structure, etc. Um, so um, many places, including Hong Kong, have uh, adopted these uh, modified Macaulay scale, uh, which classifies the uh, earthquake effects uh, into 12 grades. Miss um, Lam, um, you know, earthquakes are not very common in Hong Kong. And um, how about you know this earthquake of 4.1 magnitude? Is this um, is this not common in Hong Kong, or and do you see it coming? Um, yeah, uh, actually, the uh, magnitude four. Um, um, uh, we have experienced the magnitude four uh, uh, events uh, before, and uh, the, for example, the previous one, um, we had one um, in twenty uh, in year two thousand twenty, uh, uh, the first of uh, January, and that uh, was a um, 
uh, earthquake associated with an earthquake near the Pure uh, River, Pure uh, River Estuary, and and that. At that time, the magnitude uh, was uh, 3.4, but because um, it was close, it's closer to Hong Kong. It's uh, within uh, 50 kilometers of Hong Kong. So even a smaller magnitude um, that uh, gave us a uh, intended scale of four um, as a defense. And uh, one more um, that is before um, 2020, that is uh, 2018, uh, the 26th of uh, November, and, and that uh, happened. Um, at uh, the Taiwan Strait, and at that time the magnitude was uh, 5.9, um, because um, yeah, that, that was uh, further away from Hong, that's further away from Hong Kong. Um, it's around uh, more than 400 kilometers, so um, that magnitude um, is uh, higher, uh, but uh, it also um, gave us uh, a magnitude, uh, a intensity, intensity uh, scale four. So um, actually, actually uh, the the chance of a major local tremor in Hong Kong is very small. Uh, but, um, on the average, uh, we've got um, yeah, two times. Uh, on average, we've got um, twice a year uh, for the locally filed um, report. Uh, Professor Chan, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Jim. So, as we know, we, Hong Kong is not in a major seismic zone, um, but the epicenter of this quake was about uh, 92 kilometres away, east-northeast of Hong Kong. Um, on, on the sort of, uh, you know, the general scale of seriousness of earth tremors, how would you rate this one? Well, this is a light earthquake. Uh, you know, as Mr. Lam said, uh, actually, these sort of earthquakes are, are pretty common. And over the entire world, you know, uh, light earthquakes like this, uh, magnitude 3 to 4, there were probably on average about uh, 20,000, 30,000 a year. So it's not uncommon. And in fact, uh, a lot of people thought that Hong Kong is not exactly on the plate boundary. That is, uh, I would say, uh, not entirely correct because oh, uh, right. as we look at the, the plate motion, how the you know various regions uh, move about, you know, there is in fact some kind of uh, a fault motion just uh, quite close to Hong Kong. And perhaps, you know, it's uh, this fault motion that was responsible for this earthquake this time. So w w when you say quite close, um, how close are we talking about? Well, when we look at the, um, you know, um, the tectonic uh, configuration or the, the sort of the tectonic structure, and we have right uh, to the south of Hong Kong, you know, within a few uh, tens of kilometers, we have one core high phone fort, which is active. Uh, high phone extending from the city of High phone to our uh, northeast, uh, all the way through the south of Hong Kong. And in fact, this uh, high phone fort is only one of the several forts of a, a major fort zone that runs in a northeast southwest direction. Now, why? Is this a fort zone active? You know, when we look at um, the plate motion, there is actually a small motion between, say, uh, South China and uh, South China Sea. South China Sea is the area where Indonesia or um, western part of Philippines are located. But the motion is not big. You know, we're talking about on the average, um, perhaps, you know, zero point five to 0 0.7 millimeter a year, a very, very small motion, but cumulated over, say, the decades or a century, you know, it could still build up substantial amount of energy um, to produce 
once in a while, a sizable event. Mm. Once again, uh, once in a while, how, how frequent would that be? I, I mean, how safe are we from a you know a major earthquake event? Well, we have to look at the the, the, the risk. You know, uh, the motion is so small. So uh, most likely, you know, in our lifetime, uh, we would not be able to see a big one. Um, perhaps you know, over a period of um, several hundred years, there might be one um, close enough to cause some some, uh, you know, damage mm -hmm. to Hong Kong. Um, so we, we are not as active as uh, Taiwan or Japan, you know. The uh, activity is probably just about 1% uh, of those in uh, Taiwan or Japan. But if we are talking about, say, in the Taiwan region, a magnitude 7 earthquake every 10 years, then we, we, we may be talking about a magnitude 7 earthquake every, say, four to 500 years, you know, along this entire zone, okay? Mm. So, so I, I don't think um, most, of, most of us will see any major event um, of that scale in our lifetime. Mm. But it happens on a geologic time scale. Yes, uh, Professor Chen. Yeah, uh, I read. I read somewhere that um, uh, yeah, the earthquake, the very big earthquake in Sichuan, in Wenchuan, um, you know, that area is not supposed to be high risk. It's a low to moderate, a um, little bit just like Hong Kong. And then, um, you know, he had this major, major earthquake. Um, you know, back in 2011, was it? And um, so, how um, how worried should we be? Um, you know, or how alert should we be, you know, no. um, about these uh, trends? <laughs> well, well, Ada, you know, um, you're talking about earthquake uh, prediction or earthquake forecast. And uh, like the 20, 2008 uh, Wenchuan earthquake in Sichuan, um, it's not exactly that that is not um, uh, uh, a high-risk area. In fact, you know, that that zone along uh, is located right in the... Um, at the edge of the Tibet Plateau. Mm. And uh, there's a, a, an active collision zone. Um, every thousand years or so, there, there could be a very big one. It just happened, ironically, that, you know, just uh, a few months before uh, that earthquake occurred, you know, the, the Chinese seismologists uh, met and did not identify that as a high-risk zone. And uh, just somehow it happened and, you know, causing a substantial casualty. Now, that speaks to the nature of uh, earthquake prediction. Now, as of today, uh, there's still no um, sure way for us to predict any earthquakes. And as you said, you know, um, whether or not we can predict earthquakes, they will happen anyway. So the best thing is to get prepared for them. Even it's low risk, but we should still have some awareness, some knowledge, and some preparation for low-risk uh, events of this kind. Okay, let's just uh, quickly ask uh, uh, Lam Ching Chi. Hi, are you still with us? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, quick question, because I, I believe you have to uh, leave at quarter past. Uh, but um, um, as we mentioned before, a lot of people um, contacted the observatory to say they'd felt these tremors, more than 8,000. Um, um, how do people actually do that? Do they go to the website and is there a reporting... Oh, What's yeah. the reporting mechanism? Yeah, 
Yes, yes, that's true. Um, because in the past, uh, we are not uh, able to receive um, the, so many uh, reports uh, just uh, calling the surgery uh, by the telephone. Uh, uh, because right now, uh, we, we have um, a form uh, that is uh, very convenient. Uh, it's available on the website and also our uh, mobile app. That is my observatory app, and um, and it's a uh, a form of uh, just like the, uh, the survey, and uh, the um, uh, 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 the public who wants to uh, uh, fill in the form, um, that is very convenient. They just uh, give information just by clicking some uh, choices, and that's very convenient. So uh, it enables us uh, to receive so many reports uh, in a, uh, within a short period of time. Okay. Okay. Oh, great. Well, thanks very much uh, for speaking uh, to us uh, on the program this morning. That was Lang Chim Chi, senior scientific officer with the observatory. Um, uh, Professor Chan. So um, this uh, uh, tremor happened at two thirty in the morning. Um, a, a lot of people still felt it, though. I mean, I, I, I've, I've spoken to a number of people who are wo woken up by it, by the the bed shaking, the room shaking, things rattling and, and what have you. Um, um, I guess uh, its effect w would perhaps have been somewhat more dramatic if it had happened in the daytime. Sure, mm. that would be the mm. case. Mm. And in fact, uh, the, an intensity for events uh, uh, would be widely felt. And uh, uh, often we, scientifically, we um, measure that by the percentage of gravity, you know, a intensity for is like 1% of the gravitational acceleration. So if that occurred during the daytime, I think uh, a majority, at least 40-50% uh, of population would have uh, felt it. Okay. So you mentioned that we need to be prepared, uh, but I guess that uh, unlike Japan and Taiwan, um, our public education does not really focus on you know what we should do uh, when we um, feel an earthquake. Uh, uh, should more be done? Well, I, I, I always think so. You know, we have to prepare for all sort of uh, uh, natural or even um, uh, man-made uh, disasters like um, tsunami or uh, earthquakes or, you know, just like typhoon. We should have a basic uh, awareness, like uh, in case we uh, hear on the news that there was a tsunami coming from, say, the Philippines, you know, what we should do or... Uh, in the event of an earthquake, how we should um, uh, protect ourselves, you know, in a very spontaneous manner. And I think those are basic knowledge. And I went to California for school, and we had uh, an earthquake drill every year. And so we learned, say, to duck under uh, a table or, uh, or stand below some heavy structure, like the door frame. The door frame is uh, normally the more strongly built and then um, stay away from windows and uh, uh, turn off the gas, uh, that sort of things. And we should also have uh, an emergency kit for at least three days, you know, with uh, water and first aid supply. So these are pretty basic. Okay. Um, we're also joined uh, now on the line by Alexis Lee, who's a council member of the Hong Kong Institution of Engineers. So good morning to you. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Alexis here. Yes. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Yes, uh, yes, we can. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, um, I believe you have a colleague with you as well? Yes, uh, I have a Dr. Goldman Ho. He's mm. a working co work colleague okay. from work. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, well, good morning to you both. Um, if I could just ask you both then, um, um, after an incident uh, like this uh, earth tremor in the middle of the night last night, um, I mean, people do get concerned. They think, uh, you know, if there was a... 
you know, if there was a strong earthquake here, would would our buildings be able to uh, withstand it? I mean, what, you know, what are the building standards in these circumstances? Okay, uh, maybe we'll start lecture a little bit on the standard in Hong Kong. Yeah. There are two major sources of standard in Hong Kong. One is actually the design, the structural design manual in the highway department that give out the, the design criteria for what to do for highway structures. For buildings, it's less office because this historically Hong Kong is situated in a low and moderate sort of facility zone. Okay, and also it also situated in one of the worst tropical typhoon area. With the typhoon we know, which actually is very large, with total the building higher of the load. And also what we find that the wind load itself, the magnitude of the force is very large. Very often it's larger than the than the size of the load generate force. Oh. And we also find that the capacity of the design also in general can cover the the, the seismic design load. The only major difference for that is uh, in seismic design, they also require a certain ductility and certain confinement design for, for concrete design. And in Hong Kong, over 90% of buildings are concrete. So the, the government actually buried some of embedded, so it's embedded some of the design into the country code, in the current country code. So if you design for the wind forces and detailed for the for the seismic details, then they actually cover uh, quite a safe margin into the, mm-hmm. in the design. Of course, this is not a bulletproof situation. That's why currently uh, the building department uh, started a consultancy to, to develop a standalone seismic code, and this is in progress at the moment. So, um, is it correct to say that, uh, you know, looking at our design menu uh, and design codes, they are, um, they are on par with other uh, big cities like uh, Shanghai or like New York, um, in the sense that skyscrapers are actually very safe, uh, you know, for earthquakes and also for typhoon? Uh, well, in simple terms, because uh, for tall buildings, generally, they are more flexible, so they are not as much excited by the seismic relatively, only relatively. That's why I say the seismic, the, the we know is have a bigger magnitude in the design, design force. But of course, the failure mechanism of a seismic event and compared with a wind event is different. That's why they also have this clause into the in the code of doing the uh, the seismic details. But that is not, as I say, it's not a fully comprehensive design. That's why the, the government have looked at that deficiency and they are now developing this new code for, for a full comprehensive design. Mm. And this is on its way. OK, uh, there's a question here from a listener, Eric, who uh, points out that the, the earthquake uh, happened, the epicentre was 90 kilometres roughly uh, east-northeast of Hong Kong and uh, wants to know whether it would have had uh, any impact on the Dia Bay nuclear power station uh, which is uh, in the region but um, I, I understand that such facilities are built to withstand huge earth tremors is that right? Can you tell us more about that? Uh, well from my limited comment yeah yeah mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. Um, basically, uh, for that area, the, uh, the epicenter, which the earthquake happened yesterday morning, I think is, I would say, uh, there was a uh, earthquake before, 
uh, happen very close to that area. Uh, it's still about uh, 100 kilometers away from Hong Kong. And, uh, but this is not the uh, critical one. The more critical uh, seismic uh, happened in the past or in the wet court was uh, probably uh, close to uh, what we call the uh, Fuzhou and also the uh, Lai, uh, 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 Taiwan zone, right? And uh, yes, I mean, the, uh, I, I would call the fault line happened nearly everywhere in the world. And uh, for all the nuclear power stations also, I mean, they have done, uh, they have to go through very uh, stringent feasibility study or site feasibility study and calculating all the risk, etc. Uh, before they actually build the, uh, uh, the power station. So uh, I believe that, you know, um, and also for nuclear power station, the, the design requirements are far more, far more, far more stringent than normal building. So uh, basically, um, uh, for personally, I don't worry about uh, that. And also for that IRA song, the the seismic intensity uh, is still probably uh, in what we call also a moderate seismicity area, um, uh, which is uh, we talk about the MMS scale. Uh, modified mechanics still is also in the order of seven, right? Uh, which is similar order of like Shanghai and um, uh, similar order of uh, you know uh, Hong Kong, this kind of area. Or a bit north, slightly north like Fuzhou and Shaman and Taiwan, then we are probably uh, will be on the on on the higher higher seismic area. Okay. Okay. So, uh, personally, I do worry about the diabetes and the power station. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, uh, very interesting. Um, uh, thank you uh, to all of you for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, that was uh, uh, Dr. Gorman Ho, who's a, a director with uh, Arup, actually, which is a global planning and engineering uh, consultant, and uh, Alexis Lee, uh, uh, who is the... Uh, Alexis Lee is a council member of the Hong Kong Institution of Engineers. And thank you also very much to uh, Chen Longsang, honorary professor at the Department of Earth Sciences at the University of Hong Kong. Um, all of you talking there about the earth tremor, the 4.1 magnitude earth tremor that uh, affected Hong Kong in the middle of the night yesterday. Uh, in the early hours of yesterday, and which caused more than 8,000 people to contact the observatory to say that they'd experienced it. Um, and as promised uh, for the last few minutes on today's programme, um, I have a few emails to read out from listeners on the topic of uh, COVID, which of course uh, uh, dominates uh, the Radio 3 airwaves from 8 till 8.30 every morning with COVID update and of course is a major factor of uh, all of our news programmes and bulletins uh, at the moment. Um, So a number of uh, messages here from listeners. Uh, This from uh, Guy writes, uh, uh, many outpatients of uh, uh, HA specialist outpatient clinics are understandably trying to defer their routine appointments to avoid unnecessarily exposing themselves to COVID-19 and to relieve the pressure on the clinics. A lady called in last week drawing attention to the fact that it is currently impossible to call the clinics or leave a message for a callback later to defer. According to the HA Go app under uh, uh, FAW uh, My Appointments de- 
deter appointment. There is supposed to be a link in the appointment itself to defer. Sorry, that should be defer appointment. There is not. I have fed this back to the app, but without response. However, there is a way around this in the app by using the, the uh, book HASOPC facility, scanning the appointment slip under the submit application with a written request to please defer appointment to dot dot dot. It seems to elicit a positive response. I have tremendous respect for all HA frontline medics, nurses and supporting staff who have served my family and the community as a whole for decades. Thank you. Uh, that from Guy. Um, John on our Facebook says, uh, don't blame CE, the Department of Health and HA has failed to ensure the highest risk group, the elderly, were fully vaccinated. The ad campaign ad advertised uh, hesitancy. Prevention is better than cure. They are still wasting time and effort trying to protect their hospitals instead of getting ahead of the issue and stopping people getting seriously sick in the first place. Um, Brian writes, uh, I think putting it in mathematical terms will make it clearer to the decision makers and more difficult for them to deny being sensible. When the chief executive says that the travel bans are pr to protect Hong Kong, she clearly hasn't been correctly advised that even mathematically this is self-contradictory. We know from uh, the lockdowns that close to 20% of the population are currently infected with the regulations to get on a flight here. Uh, the percentage of travellers infected is much lower. Therefore, the more travellers we can get in, the lower our resulting population's infection percentage will be. And similarly, the higher the vaccinated percentage will be. Uh, OK. Um, this one from uh, Richard says... I'm a CX pilot. I've done only nine flights in two years. CX furloughed me for 20 months in that time frame. I am one of the uh, 100s and 100s, if not uh, thousands, sorry, hundreds, hundred, if not thousands of CX cockpit crew uh, like this, all because of this flight ban. If we were all civil servants, I'm sure things would be different. That from Richard. Uh, and uh, another one here from Simon says, It's very simple. Hong Kong won't open to the rest of the world until China does. China won't open until it develops and deploys its own mRNA vaccine. And that looks like a 2023 story. All of this suits China, uh, who seem to want to pursue a closed-to-the-rest-of-the-world strategy for a whole bunch of political reasons. That from Simon. And Alonso says, uh, in recent days, I've noticed a number of letters in the SEMP and Hong Kong Standard written by high profile Hong Kongers, both expats and locals, including frequent uh, back chat hosts and guests. These include inter alia, former government officials like Mike Rouse, former senior police officers like Steve Vickers, prominent businessmen with close ties to Carrie Lam like Alan Zeman, and even Harriet Tung, sister-in-law of C.H. Tung, our former CE and current vice chairman of the CPP. PCC. The common thread among all of these voices is their criticism of the Lam administration's handling of the COVID crisis, a sentiment shared by the overwhelming majority of locals, while the Hong Kong government, government's much maligned zero-COVID stance is likely hamstrung by Beijing's similar position. It should nonetheless have the flexibility to amend a number of other local COVID policies, such as reducing the 14-day hotel quarantine rule, lifting the ban on incoming flights and relaxing some of its 
its restrictive social distancing rules. Failure to do so will only accelerate the exodus of Hong Kongers and deepen the economic recession we now face. Thank you. That's from Alonso. And, OK, I think that's all we've got time for this morning. Thanks very much to you, Ada. Thank you, Jim. Thanks to our listeners and to everybody who wrote in. A quick look at the weather before we go to the news summary and morning brew. Uh, humid with fog patches early. The top temperature today around 28 degrees uh, with light winds. And the outlook, it'll be cloudier with a few showers in the next couple of days. It's currently 23 degrees, humidity 80%. Public hospitals are facing huge service demand. The hospital authority appeals to COVID-19 patients with mild symptoms or no symptoms to not go to the accident and emergency departments. For those who have medical needs, they can make appointments at the designated clinics for COVID-19 of the hospital authority. Visit ha.org.hk for details. For others seeking consultation at hospitals, please be considerate to medical staff and follow their advice. Together, we fight the virus. Here's Andrew Shirovsky with the new summary. The first group of 75 doctors, nurses, and assistants from hospitals in Guangdong province have arrived in Hong Kong to help with the fight against COVID. Top diplomat Yang Jiechi says China opposes what he described as false information that distorts or discredits its position on Ukraine. Xinhua News Agency reported his comments made during talks with the U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in Rome. The talks came after both the Kremlin and Beijing denied reports that Russia had been asking China for help since the start of its attack on the Ukraine. Speaking after the talks in Rome, the U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price said Washington was concerned about any country supporting Russia. And Germany plans to buy up to 35 F-35 fighter jets made by the U.S. firm Lockheed Martin and 15 Euro fighter jets as part of a major push to modernize their armed forces in response to Russia's attack on Ukraine. I'll have more on these and other stories in the main bulletin at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University. Of Set and costume designer, interpreter of Beethoven. As well, oh so shy, quiet and retiring Gilby Council, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide for what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Hello, it's Tuesday on the Morning Brew. Great to be with you. Till one o'clock, of course, I'm Phil Whelan. So Jared Watt's going to be with us after 10.30 today with some top Aussie music, the normal stuff, and of course all the news from down under. Going to move things around a little today. After 12, we're off to Melbourne from where biz futurist Morris Misalowski will be discussing... <laughs> the megaverse. True. He's been teaching a bunch of CEOs about this over the past week in a very, very interesting venue. The kind of venue that most people here won't have even seen for the past couple of years. And at the later time of 12.40, just for today, Dr. Merrin Pierce joins us live from New Zealand. He'll be talking about abalone with Simone Haysom, who is the thematic lead on environmental crime at the Global Initiative Against Transitional Organised Crime. She's an expert. Anyway, Simone joins us live from Geneva, hence the late star, and you can catch them as always on Facebook Live.
inside my car. 